Hi there, this is Pastor Ronnie Allen here at Omega Church. I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want to say thank you for joining us. We hope this message equips you to follow God's voice. We believe that if you're searching, today your search is over. Thanks for being with us and enjoy. That's what happens when you get talked about, you just be sweet anyway. Thank you. I got a couple of things that I need to bring to your attention. Uh, And I'm going to mention it again later, but I want to bring it to you right now. There's a special election in our state that's taking place, and the early voting is tomorrow. So if you live in the district of 118 for the state representative, which covers most of the south part of Bear County. Uh, it starts over from Somerset, goes and includes most of Elmendorf, goes all the way up t- to the area around uh, Randolph Brooks. So if you live in that kind of area, I want you to look on your voting card, and if you are District 118 for the state representative, there's going to be a special election. We have an opportunity to uh, represent Jesus. I'll put it that way. A good place to start in looking at the candidates would be, are they pro-life? If they're, if they're, if they're pro-death, if they're pro-death and you vote for them, you're in trouble. Okay? Because you just took upon yourself their plans and their purposes okay so don't vote according to convenience or maybe what has been um, you're accustomed to because of a political party you go there to represent Jesus amen so that's going to be taking place early voting starts tomorrow the actual uh, I think it's the 27th 28th something like that is the actual uh, voting day. So I want you to take care of business. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Father, we thank you right now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you for talking to us by your spirit. Lord, we clear our minds and we open up our hearts. Thank you for the entrance of your word bringing light and understanding. Father, I ask you to give me clear thought accurate words to convey that understanding. And Lord, we thank you that we, when we leave here today, we're not going to leave the same. We're going to leave enriched and enlightened by your word. For you, Jesus said, you would build your church upon revelation knowledge. We give you the praise and thanksgiving for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to get right into this. I do want to cover a couple of things real quickly that to remind you of, we've been talking about the law of divine order in Genesis chapter 1. You can turn there. We're not going to read these verses but because I want to go to verse 14 and we'll start there. But I have to give you a little synopsis of the back part of this. Number one, God is not the author of confusion. And if you think he is, now that doesn't mean that he won't let the enemy get confused. Okay? 
The devil is the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14.33 makes that statement. We live in a time period in our generation where God has emptied out kind of like a messy drawer because it's been confused and half the body of Christ, or I'll say it this way, a lot of the body of Christ has went along with the confusion of this world system. Unbeknowing because we've been asleep, and that's why he says, Arise, awake thou that sleepest, and Christ shall give you light. Okay? And we've been asleep, and uh, God is waking us up. So he turned this mixed up, confused drawer, you know, a junk drawer, and he's turned it upside down. And the way he let it turn, be turned upside down, he let the enemy think. Everybody say think. think. He has the upper hand. Okay? So everything was in a state of confusion. But God has been telling his people for some time now, last few years, actually, even before the pandemic, that something God is working out. And if you've been coming to this church very long, you know I've been saying it. That God is working on something very, very big. And it's in the process. You can't see it. Now everything's in the state of confusion. We've got Washington that's in the state of confusion. We've got an administration that is totally confused. That ought to give you a parallel right there to help you understand something. That we have a president that can't hardly remember certain things. So it's in a state of confusion, and the devil thinks he has the upper hand. And God allows that, okay? But God starts putting things back in order. God is not the author of confusion. We see this in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. God starts putting things in order. Now, Here's a problem because we've had an attitude. Let me say it this way. Our own preconceived ideas is we think that God, you just never know what he's going to do. As if a miracle is a random thing. As if God is a, <laughs> you know, he has to wake up on the right side of the bed. Because you just, and we'll make statements, you never know what God's going to do. God's always told you up front what he's going to do. The problem is you can't see it. And, and we don't always respond to it because we have this misunderstanding. God's already told you from the beginning what he's going to do. In fact, I want to make this statement to you that God looks at the end, and that's where he starts. Now, stay with me. You can't go, if you're going to make a trip, you can't go to a destination that you're already at. 
Now, you have to measure from where you're at to where you're going to go. That's true. But if I want to, you know, uh, Zona and I have a son and, and a daughter, uh, daughter-in-law and grandkids that live in Thornton, Colorado. We're not in Thornton, Colorado. So if we want to go there, that's where we're going to go. We got we to gotta decide where we're going first. Does that make sense? That's the way God operates. He, he doesn't look at where you're at. He looks at where he's going to take you. You follow that? Now, and then he works backwards, measures where you're at on what, it's gonna do to, what he's got to do to get you there. You follow me? Same thing is true as if we were going to go to Thornton, Colorado, and we're in San Antonio. You follow? So you have to understand God starts at the end. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Okay? So that means Jesus was already planned before God started doing anything. So God starts putting things in order. We see that in Genesis, when the earth was without form and void, darkness was upon the face of the deep, the Spirit of God moved, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. He started putting order. God is not a helter-skelter God, and miracles are not some random acts that you cannot, that are unpredictable. Okay? They are predictable. What do you think prophecy is? Prophecy is a prediction by God. Are you, are you understanding? So God starts saying at the beginning like it's the end. That's the way he works. And he's trying to get his people to follow him. Do the same thing. That is called faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So God is a God of order. So if God is a God of order, then he has to have laws or principles, foundational truths in which to operate. Because God uses systems. This is very, very important. Everything in life that functions the way it's created is functioning to operate through a system. And many Pentecostal charismaniacs, are y'all following me? Y'all missed that right there. Okay. We act like there's no consistency and just when the Spirit when I feel the Spirit, faith is not a feeling, it's a substance. Okay? And you have to renew your mind. And in renewing your mind, you change your feelings. Okay? 
It's a system. God has a, has a solar system that he operates. If we just look at creation, he has a solar system. There are laws or principles that operate that system. Now, that system has these principles or truths, foundational truths, that make the system work. And Christians have been confused and make statements that they don't know what they're talking about. That's why we, he said, get wisdom, and with all you're getting, get understanding. God is his word. If you will take him at his word, he will perform his word every time. Law and grace work hand in hand. We have been trained to think that law and grace are two opposite forces. And in reality, they work hand in hand. Who do you think set up the laws? I'm talking about the laws of, that operate systems. I'm not talking about Washington, D.C. You follow me? Who, who set up the laws that govern the universe? God did. Well, was that not God's influence upon the system? That's what grace is. Grace is God's influence. And when it comes to a person, an individual, it's the influence of God upon the heart and the reflection of that influence in your life. Now, here's what you need to understand about law real quickly, and then we're going to move on. Law, the opposite is lawlessness. Okay? Anarchy. Rebellion. Okay? I don't have time to cover all this, but in the new creation, there are laws that govern the new creation. And if you don't know those laws and operate in those laws, you cannot get a consistent result. Okay? Now, God operates through systems. He sets these systems up. Now, listen very carefully. These systems have a cycle. Okay? A cycle. A cycle is a series of events that are regularly repeated, regularly, in the same order. Let me give you an example. We're going to go to verse 14 here in just a second, but I want you to get this. For example, if we take a year, inside that year we have seasons. Those seasons have their cycle to make the year complete. They are regularly repeated in the same order. Now, we understand now, of course, all your, the climate change knotheads. Let me ask you, you know what, do you have any idea what governs the climate on earth? 
It's the gravitational force by which God set up the system whereby the earth rotates on its axis and has an orbit around the sun. Now, if you can change that, you can change a climate. You follow me? Now, does that mean that we need to be reckless with our environment? No. But it means there's no such thing as climate change. That is governed by God. Are you, are you understanding? We also have systems inside of our physical body. You have a respiratory system, a, a circulatory system. You even have a system by which you think and reason. When those systems are in chaos or disorder, then you have a rebellion. Let's take, for example, in your digestive system. If it's not functioning in the rhythm or the cycle that it's supposed to, and there's a disruption in that cycle, then it causes rebellion in your body. You follow me? You were not created to eat things that were synthetic. Wow, that went really big. Man-made. Okay? You were created to operate that system according to God's divine order. God will tell you how to eat if you will diligently look for it in the Bible. But the problem is most Christians don't want to look in the Bible to find out what God says to do with their body. So what we want God to do is heal us so we can go back and commit gluttony again. Woo, shout me down because the preach is so good. Okay? You've got to train yourself. If you don't, you're going to get sick. God will have mercy and heal you, but then there comes a time where you won't get that healing anymore. Because you're violating that system. Are you following me? Now, you say, well, Brother Ronnie, I don't want to hear about all this. Well, you better hear about it because that's where we're at right now. What we're hearing is God, there's been a disruption in God's natural flow of things. And it's been this way. And God says, I am going to start putting this generation back in order because we are at the end of time for the church. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. Not a mixed up, confused, chaotic church that has no idea what God's going to do. Wow, that went really big. Now, remember this before we read. In 2 Corinthians, I mean, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Peter says, a thousand years is as one day with God. Because we've got to understand the timing. And one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So we look here in Genesis, and we see what God does in a seven-day period to know what's going to happen in 7,000 years. 
of human history. Okay? We have parallels. In the fourth day, God created lights, plural, two great lights. The fourth day. Now let's parallel something. Human history. From Adam to Abraham is 2,000 years of human history. Or we could say two days in God's creative time. From Abraham to Jesus is another 2,000 years or a two-day period in God's creation. So when we read what happened on the fourth day, we're going to see the beginning of something that happened while Jesus was on earth. Dual parallels, dual understandings here. God's told us in the beginning in these seven-day periods what he's going to do in 7,000 years of human history. Are you following me? I'm not trying to be deep. I'm trying to give you understanding. Because this is going to be significant right here. Okay. You ready? First, Corinth, uh, first uh, uh, Chapter 1 of Genesis, verse number 14. And God said, let there be lights, plural. Okay. It's not the same as when on the first day when he said, let there be light. On the, fourth, uh, on the fourth day, he said, let there be lights, plural, in the firmament of the heaven. That means in the vault of heaven, the, the heavenly atmosphere around earth. And here's what it's going to do, to divide. Everybody say divide. Everybody thinks Jesus came to bring unity, but he came to divide. Okay? He came to divide. What's he going to divide? The day from the night. And he said, let them, the lights, be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Now, let's stop here just a minute. And let's look at these phrases real quickly. The word signs here means a signal. Or a distinguishing mark, a remembrance, a miraculous sign, a warning or proof of where we're going. Okay? So, these two great lights were given to divide the day and the night so we could have some signals of our time period, where we're at. Okay? In the cycle of the system. And the word seasons means an appointment, like a fixed time. Especially in a festival, like an appointed place, an appointed time, a meeting. Okay? We could just say it another way, a sacred season. Now, that's interesting. Because we just entered into a new Jewish year. September the 15th. Yom Kippur, 
and Yom Kippur during this time. It's a festival by which it not only recognizes the new year, but it's also a day of atonement, whereby a person reflects. In, in, in the case of this, they would reflect where they messed up. Are y'all, are y'all following me? And they ask God for forgiveness for their mess-ups. And God grants them this forgiveness. You follow? Everybody with that? It really means the expiration date of sin. That's very, very important. It means that God's looked at your cycle in this last year. And all of a sudden now, you begin to reflect on it and you see where you came short. Now, does God do that to point it out? And to make you feel bad about it? Absolutely not. Okay? Because if you came short, it's because you did it on your own. God's not going to help you sin. Boy, I've dealt with some people through the years that think that, they, Brother Ronnie, I want you to pray with me. Well, what are we praying about? Well, I, I want to marry so-and-so. Not when you and that so-and-so is married to somebody else, I ain't going to pray with you. <laughs> But I've had people come to me like that, okay? And, and uh, well, I felt a goosebump, Pastor Ronnie. When I looked over there at the church, and I saw so-and-so, and my husband's giving me a problem. <laughs> I just know God's drawing me. No, that's your flesh, and the devil's about, make, about ready to make you sin. You're not going to get me to agree with it. Are you following me? That's how confused the world's been because the world, I mean, the church has been because the world has, got, has, has influenced our thinking. And guess what? Your thinking is what controls your emotions. Okay? You got goofy thinking, you're going to have goofy emotions. Wow. Wow. So this, this means that God lets them look at it, and he says, I'm going to make an expiration of all those mistakes. I'm not going to let them keep carrying on. Now, here's an interesting thing. I just thought I'd bring this out. Because of signs, this just happened. Around Yom, Yom Kippur, around the Dead Sea, it turned red. And they can't figure out why. Guess where it turned red at? Right where Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. You know what that, you know the good news to that is? The blood of Jesus is going to wash out this nonsense. That's what I see. Okay? Because we've been programmed that it's a normal thing. It's not normal. Even creation itself tells you that's not God. But the political system wants to be politically correct, which it's really wrong. I thought I'd just throw that in there. That's worth 50 cents. Okay. 
Now, a day is a 24-hour period. Now, remember why these two great lights are going to be very important. A day is a 24-hour period as defining, listen carefully, this is how it's defined. By evening and morning. Notice this, evening and morning. Not the other way around, not morning and evening, but evening and morning. Did you get that? God starts at the end of the day to tell you how the morning's going to be. In other words, he starts in the morning. Remember, he goes to the end and tells you where I'm going to take you. The morning tells you what point he's going to take you from here to there at the end of the day. But it's the end that he continues first. You follow me? That's what he talks about first. It's an appointed time, uh, 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 such as, listen to this, it's a division of time such as working day, a day's journey, and a temporal reference to this is today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever is what it says, right? What does that mean? God's the same every day. He's the same every day. He's constant. Okay. Now, a, a year is a division of time, and it indicate, it's an indication of age. Now, if we're going to approach it from human history, we need to understand that God puts these years out here so that we can look at the cycle of the seasons and know the age of something. Are you following me? Okay. We are now discovering, for all of us Christians that live on the earth now, we are at the maturing of the body of Christ and an adulthood age is where we should be versus immaturity and childlikeness. The church, I'm talking about as, as a whole. Everybody comes in and, and we, we're newbies and everything. I get that. But I'm talking about the church as a whole. The church as a whole should not be shook up by a pandemic should not be shook up by the political upheaval that we're in, should not be uh, uh, shook up by the persecution and, and, uh, that, and, and mockery toward God because we're at the close of the ages. Do you understand? But guess what? Because the body of Christ has been asleep, now this is like a jarring and an alarm system has gone off and says it's time to wake up. Quit acting childish. Mature your faith. Do you understand what we're talking about? And yet, the body of Christ sometimes... Have you ever been in a real comfortable sleep and the alarm goes off? Your first tendency is to slap the alarm and make it let you snooze. God's taken the last year and a half 
to sound the alarm to the body of Christ, and still some people want to hit that snooze button. Don't wake me up. I don't want to know about it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to know about it. Too bad, so sad, it's going to go off again. Okay? And, and we are waking up. We are. Wake, we are waking up. Now, when I first get up, I'm kind of droggy a little bit. Got to have that coffee. I'm giving you some coffee this morning. Okay. So that's where we're at. Why? Because we're at the end of the church age. We're coming to a conclusion. We're about to enter into the seventh day. Okay. Jesus comes in the 4,000 year of human history. What does he do? He creates. He becomes the light of the world. Everybody with that? Look at what he says. I got to finish reading it. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the, of the heaven. What? The firmament of, of what? The heavenly. So the, these lights are in the heavenly realm. To give light upon what? The earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the what? The day. The lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Now, let me give you this before we proceed. These are, this, is, this actually happened in the creation. Okay? But it gives us an understanding of where God's going to take mankind in human history. Or we could say, in this case, the body of Christ, the church. Jesus is the light of the world. Could you not agree with that? We'll, I'll give you scripture reference in just a moment to that. Jesus is referred to in a figure here as the sun. Everything in, in God's new creation revolves around Jesus. Right? So he's the center. The sun is the center of our orbit in that solar system. Okay? He also gives the moon. We, we see this right here. Uh, the moon. The moon doesn't have light of itself. The moon only reflects, listen carefully, it only reflects the light from the sun. And it lets you know in a reflection what time it is. It's there to help us to maneuver during the darkness. Okay? That refers to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel always has reflected toward the coming of the sun. Are y'all are with that? And so what happens in Israel... Helps us to have a sign 
during the dark times of when the sun is going to appear. Then he talks about the stars. The stars give off their light. Stay with this. They're like many. Everybody say many. Not maxi, but many. Many lights. Okay? Now watch this. This is going to get really interesting. And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day. So who rules over the day? Jesus does. And over the night, to rule over the night, to divide the light from the darkness, to divide there again. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Jesus came to set up these lights on the 4,000 year of human history. Follow? Jesus came to fulfill what Israel had been reflecting. And now that he came to set it up, Jesus becomes the light of the world while he's here. But then he also put the stars in the sky to have the light within themselves. Now I'm going to pull this all together for you real quick. Go with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to look here for just a moment, 136. Everybody still here? You still awake? Okay, don't go to sleep on this. I had to get my alarm out. Look at this, verse number one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto God, uh, the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords. Did you get that? For his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. Watch verse number 7. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, and that word rule means to have dominion, or I'll say it another way, dominate. The day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. So who's ruling the night? The moon and the stars. So we look at Israel and we see what is happening in Israel, and it gives a reflection of what God's going to do. It's giving a reflection of what the sun's going to happen when the sun's going to appear. Are you all with that? 
The stars and the moon. Notice it says the stars and the moon. The stars represents the body of Christ. Wow, it's going to get really interesting here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus, you're going to hear what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 5. Y'all love Jesus? All right. Are you hearing? All right. Because it's it's fixing to get really, 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 really good. Verse 13 of chapter 5. Jesus said in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden under the foot of men. So he says that we are salt. Everybody say salt. Now, what does that mean if it's, if it's no good anymore? Well, it's useless. And guess who, 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 who walks over it? Men do. But if it's got some savor to it, some saving grace, you follow me? said, let your conversation be seasoned with salt. In other words, you don't need to be playing with words. You need to mean what you say and say what you mean. Hey, watch this. Verse 14. Could y'all read that with me out of the King James? Ye are the light of the world. Who? Ye. He's talking to his followers, his disciples. If you're a disciple of Christ, it's your turn. Jesus is not here on earth. He said, as long as I'm here, I am the light of the world. But since I am not here physically, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Quit trying to hide out in obscurity in the world system. It's your time to shine. It's your time to stand up in truth. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Don't, listen, quit reaching across the aisle to try to unify with something that's full of darkness. It's time for you to let your light shine. The light that's in you, the in you, what? Who's in you? Jesus. His spirit is in you as a believer. Is that right? Let it shine. Now, when you do that, listen carefully. How many of you have ever went into a dark, obscure place, and you turned on the light, and the cockroaches scattered? (laughs) Well, that's what's going on. Don't get upset because they scatter. Why does the light come so we can clean out the cockroaches? <laughs> Let your light so shine before men that they may see, that they may see, that they may see, that they may see your good works. Now, we don't do this in self-righteousness. 
You follow me? Because we're we're not trying to be self-righteous. When I talk about, listen very carefully, I'm saying this with all sincerity. I don't mean this ugly. But one of the greatest things that I see is when people accept something that's not natural to the human body and is confused in their thinking, trying to think a man can have a, actually have a, a womb to carry a baby. Get real. I don't say that in condemning towards them. They are in the dark. They're confused. And if we don't turn on the light, the, 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 the world system is don't care about them. And they'll keep them confused. So we got to let our light shine. We do it in love, but we also do it in truth. All right, now watch carefully. We see right there that Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Now, go with me to John chapter 9. Oh, we're going to hurry. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. John chapter 9. Verse number 10. I mean, verse number 1, excuse me. And Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. He was what? Blind. Blind. That means he couldn't see. Stumbling around in the dark. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, that's condemnation. Watch this. Jesus answered, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is what? The greater light rules the what? The day. The night cometh when no man can work. Now listen very carefully. Jesus is not here while he was here. He was the man that did the work. But Jesus is not here on planet earth per se in person form. But he has given to us of his spirit. Now, the works that we do are not the works of mere men. They're the works of God's Spirit. Are you, are you following that? As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So we see right there that Jesus said as long as he's in the world, he's the light of the world, and he's doing the work, and it's daytime. Okay. Now go with me to verse number, uh, chapter 11, verse 10. I don't know about y'all, but this is getting me excited. We live in the most exciting times. But if a man walk in the night, he does what? Stumbles. Because there is no, watch this, watch this phrase. There's no light in him. Did you get that? He didn't say there's no light around him. He said in him. Christians ought not to be stumbling at at, at what's happening on the earth. If we're stumbling, we're not yielding to the light that's in us. 
We're not getting understanding from us, uh, from Him. The Holy Spirit is here to, to shed light on, and guess what it does? It helps us to determine the season. It helps us to determine the year, the age of something. It helps us to determine uh, and, de and discern the moments of human history that we're in. If we really understood how close it is to the second return of Jesus, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, your whole perspective and priorities would shift gears. We're in the closing moments. I don't even know we could say days of human history. And then something happens on the seventh day. I'll just give you a big clue there. John chapter 12, and we're fixing to, we're fixing to stop. John chapter 12, verse 35. Jesus is doing the speaking. Then Jesus says, uh, said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light least darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Verse 35. While you have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of the light. Verse 46. I am come... I am, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. All right, let's wrap this up for today. What is he saying here? He's saying to the body of Christ, this is not the time for you and I to be in a spirit of fear where darkness dwells. This is time for you and I to be in a spirit of faith. Yes. It's time for us to know the season. Now, let me give you an example. We are, we are fixing to enter into the official time of fall. Is that right? Well, guess what? You know the season is changing. Do you not know that? The season is changing. During the season change... Usually, there's a conflict of the seasons. Is that right? During springtime and during fall, these are seasons of change. We know that in, when we're in the middle of summer, winter is going to come. Prophetic. I can say, thus saith the Lord, winter's coming. Is that right? Would that be consistent with what God said? Absolutely. But we enter into a season of transformation or change. During the spring and the fall, this is where we have the clashes of summer and winter. You'll find that most thunderstorms and... Um, Violent weather happen during those two periods of the year. 
Is that right? Glory to God. The devil, the devil has made it look like he is taking over. I can prophesy right now the end. <laughs> Glory to God. The devil is not going to have the United States. And, listen carefully, we're about to enter into a realm whereby there will be a global outpouring of God's Spirit. When it looked like the devil is going to take over. We're entering into a new season. Are, are, you, are you here? Glory to God. This is not the time to be down and out, sad. Listen, I know, listen, we talk about this. We've been talking about it for 18 months, the pandemic. We've talked about the Great Reset. We've talked about inflation. We're talking about all that stuff. We're, listen carefully, all the stuff that I'm talking about right now, do you know what, you know what happened to it? You know how come inflation come? Do you understand how come we've had the pandemic? All of it was man-made. Man-instigated. And guess what? It created havoc because the system of the world now is the system by which the devil influences. And we've been, we've, been, we've been wondering, what are we going to do? Where are we going? No, listen, there's a clash. And that clash is necessary. It's necessary because we know that we're going to enter into another season. It seems dark upon the earth, but the church should dominate that darkness. God's word still works in all seasons of time. Inflation is here, for example. And it's used to transfer wealth. I want you to get this. I want to, I want to help you to get this real quick. It's used to transfer wealth. That's the definition of inflation. It's a transfer of wealth. It's a manipulation of a man-made system. And man manipulates it in order to transfer value from one area to another area. Who's trying to control it? The feds. It's a manipulation. But the Word of God still works during heavy inflation periods. By which the body of Christ can dominate and still have a transfer of wealth, but it's transferred into the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. You see, everything they're doing has to be done through obscurity. They're trying to hide everything. God does everything in the open. He tells you what he's going to do. He's never hid it from you. In fact, you can see this in the scriptures where he says, I won't do anything except I first reveal it to my prophets. 
And I'm going to tell them, they're going to tell you ahead of time. And half the body of Christ don't even believe them. They got more faith in CBS and ABC and NBC and CNN than they do in what God said. They're full of darkness. Do you understand? We don't rely on the news media. We rely on the good news. We rely on the gospel. And the word of God works in all these seasons. God's not bound by season. Listen, during the great upheaval, when God was dealing with Pharaoh to let his people go, there were plagues. And they had been using false balances in the wages of his people for 400 years. Egypt had grown wealthy off of the backs of the Israelites that they made slaves. But God says, when I bring them out and liberate them, they're going to come out with a transfer of wealth. Even though the balances of Egypt were against them, I'm going to turn it to where it's going to work for them. And when they came out of Egypt, they came out with the wealth of Egypt. God broke that Egypt system and used it, listen carefully, to set up his nation that he was going to use to bring the Messiah with. The same thing is happening in the body of Christ today that can, people that can look beyond the propaganda of news media and look into the word of God, the second coming of Jesus is right around the corner. Thank you for joining us today. I'd like to say thank you for all those who give and support this ministry. I pray that you've been blessed and challenged by the podcast today. For more information on how to give, you can visit omegachurch.com forward slash give. Thank you for believing in our mission.